Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast, priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Hello again and welcome to episode 39 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine, and this is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. Thanks again for taking the time to bring us with you today. Our guest today is Harvey Stein. He currently teaches at the International Center of Photography, or ICP, in New York. And he also teaches a series of photography workshops around the world. His work has been exhibited worldwide, and he's the recipient of numerous awards. Also, he's been published in dozens of magazines and publications like The New Yorker, Time Magazine, Life Magazine, Esquire, The New York Times, and too many others to list here. One thing I hear is publishing a monograph or your own street photos, or really any photos for that matter, is like the promised land for many photographers. To date, Harvey has been there eight times with the publication of his latest book, Mexico Between Life and Death. Harvey's visited Mexico 14 times since 1993 and continues to be mystified by it. His new book consists of 100 and 76 pages containing 158 images, and all of them coming from his many visits to the country over the years. This book tells an amazing story of a culture that is so close to us, but also quite different. I was fortunate to have an opportunity to speak with Harvey again about his new book, which we'll have for you in this episode. So kick back, grab a beverage, and have a listen to Harvey Stein tell us about his new book, Mexico Between Life and Death. And today I'm with somebody uh, very special to our magazine, Harvey Stein. He's been been with us. Oh, this is the third time I've talked to him already. So that's great. I think he might have broken a record for the number of times we've had guests on. Harvey is a teacher. He's a lecturer. He's an author, curator. He's based in New York City. Uh, he's been teaching at the International Center for Photography, or ICP, for, for quite a while. And he is... Also a very prolific writer, which I also want to talk about if we have time. But uh, Harvey's got a new book out called Mexico Between Life and Death. And I know we're going to spend a lot of time on that. So Harvey, welcome back. Thanks for spending some time with us again. Thank you, Bob. And it's great to be back and good to talk to you again. You've done a new book. But now before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you happened to uh, write this new book? Okay. Um, Well, I've been a photographer since, I'd say, 1971. Uh, Before that, I uh, I went to college and uh, uh, studied engineering. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and went to Carnegie Mellon, uh, which is a great university, and it's mostly a, a technical school. I worked as an engineer for a few years. I didn't love that and then went back to school and got came to New York and to Columbia University and got a master's degree in business and MBA and worked in the corporate world for a couple of years and I didn't like that either. Picked up a camera while I was stationed in Germany in the army in the 60s and that's what I loved and that's become my love and I've been doing it full time. Uh, well, full-time since 1979, but I, I did it also in the 70s while I was working. 
and actually did a, a book, my first book, Parallels, A Look at Twins, while I was working full time. Uh, when that book came out, it was fairly successful, and I decided to trash my uh, formal education and, and do photography full time. And that was in 1979. And I've never looked back. I've never regretted it. I love being a photographer. I love being independent. And uh, the way I work is m mostly in long-term project form. This new book is my eighth book. Uh, all my books have taken anywhere from six years to 40 years. And in two years, I'm going to do a new book, uh, hopefully, uh, it's in the works, uh, Coney Island 50 years. So it'll be 50 mm -hmm. years working on that. And it's, uh, it's uh, almost completed because we're almost in... 2020. It should come out in 2020 or 2021. But, but my new book now, Mexico Between <coughs> Life and Death, uh, it, it spans the years 1993 to 2010. Uh, it's 18 years, 14 visits, shooting visits to New to Mexico, and uh, maybe four years ago I thought, hey, I have enough work to maybe hopefully put a book together. And that's what's happened. And my publisher is a German publisher, Carrere, K-E-H-R-E-R. -E -E They're in Heidelberg. So it's a German publisher uh, publishing a, an American photographer photographing Mexico. So there you go. Real, a real international effort. And I'm, I'm really happy with the book. I went to Heidelberg for the printing in May. And the book now, we're talking late August, the book will be out uh, uh, officially August, I'm sorry, September 18th is the pub date, available uh, through me at my website or on Amazon, and I'll be doing a lot of talks and uh, shows, hopefully, for the work. I think it's some of my strongest work, and uh, we can get into that, <laughs> if you'd like. How did you come up with the title? What, what does that mean, Mexico Between Life and Death? Yeah, I've always been intrigued by Mexico as a youngster, probably even pre-teen. Yeah, maybe I saw a movie, a TV show, living in Pittsburgh. It was kind of, you know, not, it was a nice city. I mean, it was, I like it. I liked it. I still like it. But it was a little drab, maybe. And Mexico seemed a far off, but near place, because it's right next to America, of course the southern part of Mexico, Texas, Arizona, California. And it always seemed exotic to me and, and um, exciting with the music and the, I don't know, the um, kind of different culture with the sombreros and the light. It looked very uh, exciting, interesting, language. So I always was, I had in my mind, and then I, you know, as I grew older, I, I researched it more, I read about Mexico, and I always felt I wanted to go. And finally, wow, my first time was 1993, and I was so well into my adult years, and I don't know why it took so long. And it, I built up in my mind a land of um, beauty, a land of... Um, Difficulty, you know, I knew it was a poorer country than America. And I, I researched and found, um, you know, there, 
there's um, a, a festival for Day of the Dead, and I, I looked into that, and that I just and and the way they treat death. Uh, I was always as a child and fearful of death, and and couldn't imagine not ever being here again when I, I die and I said, oh, I'm going to live forever. And now, of course, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and um, so uh, going there, I looked for imagery that was symbolic of death, like skeletons, like masks that are, uh, of, of the underground or, or, or the um, Hades or something or uh, I went to uh, Day of the Dead events. I went to cemeteries a lot. Uh, Day of the Dead celebrates dead ancestors, where where the indigenous people go to the cemetery, decorate the graves, paint them, clean them, and then put flowers, marigolds specifically, on the graves as a pathway for their spiritual uh, family who have passed to come back. And they would spread food out on the graves. Uh, there'd be music. And they would sit there the, the, the night of Day of the Dead. I think it's November 1 or 2, All Saints Day. They would sit there all night and, and have pictures of, of, the, of their ancestors. So I guess death has always been a part of my life. And the, uh, both the fear and acknowledgement of it. And it seemed like Mexico was the one country that embodied it and, um, and accepted it much more than America. In America or Western cultures, we hide our old age, our, our grandmas and grandparents, and we put them in old age homes in, in more indigenous countries. They don't do that. I'm sure the rich people of Mexico do now. But, um, you know, the old people stayed with the family until they did pass away. So Mexico between life and death for me is about the joy and, and life-giving uh, events and properties and, and uh, outlook of the people um, juxtaposed alongside the, um, the, the way they, they accept and treat death. So... So the book Between Life and Death encompasses images symbolically of death. I have um, guns, there's guns, there's explosion, explosions, or two, one or two, there's um, fights, but also there's joy with people dancing or hugging or uh, um, being with a family, uh, loving Christ, loving God. There's a lot of religious images or, uh, again, symbols in the book. Um, and that's a way of, you know, being religious and believing in God. And the afterlife is another way of easing our, our transition between life and into uh, the after, afterlife or death. So, I don't know, I just one day woke up and came up with that title. And I think it's an accurate title because it, the book does... Um, indeed uh, show both aspects of, of certainly of living most everyone's living in, in the book uh, but also symbols of, of, of death and that would be uh, skeletons and crosses and uh, cemeteries 
and and uh, photographs in cemeteries of of people holding photographs of their ancestors. You even have some photographs of mummified bodies. Yes. Oh, that I forgot about it's, that. It's, no, it's very there, interesting. Yeah, there's a museum in a city called Guanajuato. Uh, I heard about uh, this city, and they have a Museo de Mumia, a museum of the mummy. So it, it came to pass that, you know, in Mexico, at least, and I've seen this, they dig up the bodies from uh, the cemeteries of those families who don't pay the rent. So I have photographed boxes of bones of, uh, that are put out into the cemetery in a box. You know, they're, they're exhumed, I guess is the word, and um, just left there. So I have photographed that. So it came to pass in this town, in this city, it's a rather big city, it's a beautiful city, uh, that they dug up some uh, bones and they found that the, the bodies were mummified. And so they looked into this, and this is probably a hundred years ago or more. And they figured out that it was the geology, the climate, the, the nature of the dirt and the and the earth that 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 caused the bodies to be mummified. So they put these mummies out, like against a wall, maybe near the cemetery, and people would come by and look at them, and maybe even start photographing them. And then finally, they built a museum. To house the mummies, they had so many, and so I, I got there when the museum was functioning, and it still is, and photographed the mummies, and I and some of the mummies are just it, it's through glass, they're not there that you could touch them, and the mummies uh, I photographed through the glass, and then I got some reflections of pe uh, on the glass of mm -hmm. people looking at the mummies. So there's one image in particular that I really love, mm -hmm. two men looking at the mummy, and you can see them in a ghost-like reflection, and the mummy more, more real than they are, I think. So the book is really about contrast. It's about life and death. It's about uh, light and dark, harsh shadows and, and deep um, rays of sunlight. Uh, it's about rich and poor. It's about old and new. Um, I, I was going for contrast because I think it is a very contrasty country, a contra a city of, of, of uh, problems and issues, but yet joys. Like it's, it's um, very poor, uh, but there's very a, a, a minority of people that are very rich. It's violent but very calm, it's very loving, it's very peaceful, it's very beautiful, but then there's areas of decay and where the earth has been damaged. So perhaps this is everywhere, but it just seems uh, focused and highlighted in Mexico. It's, a, it's, a, it's an explosive country. You know, we've heard about the crime and, and the drugs and all that, but all I have found are loving families warm families, they love their children, they're out at midnight with their children in the parks. They live a different life than we do, much simpler, I think much more authentic, in some ways much more real and softer, even though there can be violence amongst them, and that has to do, I think, with the drugs and the drug trade. I've never 
experience that. I've, t I've done workshops there where I've taken, I've probably taken hundreds of people there on workshops, and I've never had a problem, nor has any of my students had a problem. So it's a country I really love, and I will continue to photograph there and go back to it. And I want to convey that love in my book, even though there's some harsh photographs also. Yeah, I I love it there too, but we've Good. yeah, but we've avoided going there the last several years because yeah. of all these drug killings and things, and I'm yeah. sure they don't take place everywhere. Well, they don't, and you know what? It's like it's in the media, and it's probably mm -hmm. sounds much worse than it is. Like, I, you know, I live in New York. I've lived here for <laughs> four five years. I know people in New Jersey or or Connecticut, adjoining states to New York that have never been to New York City. Or, and mm -hmm. in, the, in the 80s and even 90s, I knew I met people. I would, How could you live there? I would never go there. It's so dangerous. I've never seen a robbery. I've never been attacked or hurt. I've, I've never seen a crime in 45 years of living here and shooting and walking the streets and photographing all the time. So you hear it in the media and it, 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 it just played up and played up, and it's not that way. Yeah, it um, amplifies everything. It, exactly. It's a good word. Yeah, you know, one thing that really strikes me, I mean, you're, the, the photographs speak for themselves, and they're, and they're wonderful, but one thing that Thank you. That I really like is your writing. Um, you know, you're a very prolific writer. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a prolific writer. It's very painful. I'm slow. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I had aspired before being a photographer to be a writer, I tried a little bit. I wrote a few short stories. Too painful. Too takes too long, and I could. I, I I can't write anything imaginative. Maybe I can write maybe of my life a little bit, uh, but it is painful. And I, again, I wouldn't character characterize myself as a prolific writer. Mm. But but thank you. <laughs> But anyway. Well, I, I feel the same way. It takes me forever to write something, yeah. and I tend to put it off. But uh, the but the opening of your book, I, I think, is is very well done. And, Thank you. You know, you, I'll, I'll just read a little excerpt here. Sure. One of them says, Mexico is where real images, oh, I'm sorry, where real merges with the imaginary, mm -hmm. the living with the dead, and the half-remembered with the once-sensed. It's a country of, of paradox, beautiful and serene, but with a palpable air of poverty and struggle. I mean, that's... I wish I could write something like that. I, uh, well, that probably took me years to come to <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah. I do get flashes. Also, I enjoyed... I, you know, in the book, there's a, what, a three-page uh, piece that I mm -hmm. wrote based on... Yep. I found it, I wrote it in 2003 after being in Tosco uh, for um, Samantha Santa, which is Holy Week, and the festivities that go on there. And I, I found it, and I it was almost perfectly written. I edited it a little, maybe updated a word or two or something. And I really think that's a strong and powerful piece three is it three pages probably i i usually get a writer to write an essay for my books but this i feel uh was was good enough and even better than a writer could do and it's very i think uh personal and intimate and uh powerful and i hope 
those people who get the book will definitely read it. I tend not to read that much text when I get a photo book, but rather look at the photos. But it isn't long. And I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed I'm glad I wrote it. It's my impressions of a uh, of, of uh, midnight processions in Tosco uh, during uh, Holy Week where m- men, bare-chested men uh, in robes and they have hoods are carrying a, a cross. Some are carrying a cross. And then, and they 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 barefoot go through the streets of the town for about three hours, slowly, mournfully, with mournful music playing, and and they periodically put the cross down. They have a handler, give that cross to a handler, and then they flagellate themselves. And I describe that, and their backs have two circles one uh, under each shoulder blade and they break the skin uh they use a white rope uh that is pierced with shards of glass and the glass uh um you know penetrates the skin eventually they softly whip themselves from one arm over the opposite shoulder and then they change the hands opposite shoulder and they get two like um, um, ovals of redness and then blood coming down their backs and they do this for hours so that's one image I think I have and then there's another group that are carrying bundles of thorns across the back of their neck and on their outstretched arms and this bundle must weigh two to three maybe 150 to 200 pounds there's a name for it a lot can't remember and, and maybe three or four minutes. And so they're walking barefooted. They're also hooded and black hood and robe. And they have a, a rope belt. And um, the, uh, the, they have two handlers that take the bundle away. And then they can rest for a minute or two. And then they continue. And the bundles have thorns on them. There's branches. There's these um, branches with thorns on them, and they dig into their arms and neck, and it's got to be really painful. And I describe it, and then uh, Phil uh, discuss maybe why they're doing it and what it means, and and just how it's affecting me. And it's always at night, so I'm using flash, and it's very challenging. But you can get right up to the people. And there are little children there watching this procession. There are grown men, women. The whole, the whole city comes out for it. And this happens once a night, once a year. Uh, and it's 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 spectacular. I mean, it, it's with dread and awe that I I I, I look at this because there's a lot of pain going on. And it's a great honor for the. These are young men, probably 18, 20, 22, big usually. But there's some skinny guys too. And it's a great honor. It stems from the church and medieval days and, and nights. Yeah, it must have been very difficult just to watch it. It's difficult to watch, but maybe with the camera getting so uh, you know involved in it and getting into the right position and the right place and fighting the crowd, I'm thinking about getting a good photograph and maybe not so much really how horrific it, it, it seems 
But again, uh, it's an honor and it's uh, accepted. It's a, it's it's through the church and and it's a religious thing. And I guess uh, uh, these men want to. Do, I mean, they want to do it. I I believe there's no lack of volunteers to do this. Now you took. At least most of the photos in the book were taken in small towns. Yes. I wanted to show old Mexico. I was, I mean, there's modern Mexico in Mexico City and some of the other cities I've gone to. They're large cities. I'm going to smaller towns, villages. I slept and stayed in a small town for three or four days, four, four days, five days, where they just got electricity. I want that. I guess I'm looking for something that's really different than what I live in, which is New York and America. And so I, I purposely sought out this kind of situation. Uh, I did photograph in Mexico City, but even there, I'm looking not for the modern, but for um, either a festival or um, some kind of vision that represents um, traditional uh, Mexico. When you uh, do your workshops in Mexico, where do mm-hmm. you where do you typically hold them? Uh, I go to. Um, um, I've gone to. When I first started, I went to San Miguel de Allende, which is a beautiful colonial city. Uh, it's an easy way to get into Mexico because if it's a city of sixty, seventy thousand people, now there's probably five thousand Americans that live there. So it's an easier transition than going right to a very foreign, small, uh, non-speaking, non-English speaking village or town. And then um, I've gone to Puebla. Mm-hmm. Puebla is a beautiful city about n- uh, an hour away from Mexico City and it's very old and historical. I've gone to Tosco, which is where I do Day of the Dead. I'm sorry, not Day of the Dead. Uh, I do uh, Semana Santa, which has these religious processions for four nights during Holy Week. And uh, I've gone to Morelia. I've gone to Oaxaca. So it's mostly more uh, a great city called Carretero. And another one where the Mummy Museum is, is Guanajuato. It's more central Mexico. It's not the borders. It's not northern Mexico, like um, um, uh, Tijuana. Um, or or I haven't gone really south, very far south, other than uh, Oaxaca's south, but not not far south. Um, it's a big country, and I just... I. You know, I, I, I try to go back to the same places, the same cities, the same towns. That way I know my way around a little more. I know a few people. I've made a few friends and they could help me. Um, and that's how I practice my photography. Going to Coney Island 40 years, 50 years. I could be very bored, but going back, I find new things and that's exciting. And I'm really interested in photographing people. So the people are always changing, if, if not the, the environment or the city or, or Coney Island. It's the people that I'm after. And I would say 85% of my photographs in this book are of people. And maybe there's some, there's some images of, of the buildings or, uh, uh, you know, uh, dishes, um, 
dishes, uh, satellite dishes or wires, telephone wires and all that and, and how convoluted that is. But most, and some crosses and cemeteries, but mostly I'm interested in people when I photograph. So, you, yeah, you've been going there for a while. How yeah. have, I mean, how have the people changed over time, if at all? Uh, I don't see the change too much. I mean, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm interested in the older, probably, people and maybe the younger ones who are more traditional. That's harder to find. That's getting harder to find. Uh, I started in 1993. Um, the last year I in this book is 2010, so I haven't uh, added anything. I have. I felt I had enough. I mean, I had over three, four hundred photographs, and we got it down to 157. So uh, you know, I, I I think I'm finished. We're with photographing in Mexico. Um, and um, whereas in Coney Island, I'm still doing it because <laughs> I live closer to it and it's ever different because of the people. I, I will say that Mexico is probably a little richer now than when I started and the people are a little better off, which is a good thing. And if, uh, it, it's harder to go. And Well, you can definitely go into smaller villages and still find, I think, what I would call the traditional uh, uh, life of, of Mexicans, but you know they have cell phones now, and they all. I I was in this one village. They just got television, you know, and they were all watching television. So now I don't think that's happening too much, unless up in the mountains, way up, and I don't know where that is. If there's anything somebody must see in this book, what is it? I, I want all my. I want I want all my photo books to be photo books. I don't want the text to overwhelm me. Sure. I have my books. And I, um, so there isn't a lot of text, but the text, and I have a, some really good quotes, too. I, uh, I don't know. It's like, wow. You know, I really love the mummy photographs. I, I have a lot of photographs of dogs in here. And stray mm -hmm. dogs are uh, everywhere in the small cities. Um, I think maybe some of the first photographs, I often try to put my strongest work at the beginning. So the, the, the photograph on page six of a man who's on a dirt street and I'm facing him. He's walking toward me and I'm walking toward him. He's holding a bundle. He's wearing a sombrero. And I exposed, and it was a bright sunny day his face is totally in darkness, and I didn't expose for his face. I exposed for the street and for his clothing. So as a result, his face is black. So you don't re you don't see any detail in his face. And to me, he was always, and I think this was taken in 1993 or four in San Miguel. His face, he's everywhere. He's every man. This was taken in 1997. It's on page six and seven. Uh, so I think that's a highlight. The next page, I photographed a man holding a bundle on his shoulders, carrying two but at least one bundle, maybe a second, in his arms. He's wearing a Chicago Bulls <laughs> t -shirt, uh, sweatshirt, and he's surrounded left and right. He's on the street again. And left and right are flowers. 
This is in a small city called Pozcurado, uh, for and I was there for day uh, for uh, Day of the Dead, and it seems to me, and he stooped over a little bit. He's not looking at me, sort of looking down, me or the camera. He's looking down, and it seems like the burden of the world is on his shoulders. When I photographed it, I didn't feel that. And only recently did I say, wow, look at him. And how much I realized I love this photograph because he is totally burdened, but determined to make his way. And there I am. You can see my shadow on him at the bottom of him, blocking his way and annoying the hell out of him. But yet <laughs> stop and let me photograph him. There's another photograph of a, a young man with a machete. It's, I just turned to it, page 127, and he's coming out of the fields in a small town called Pozos near San Miguel. It's a mining town that's pretty well deserted, but now it's coming back. And he, and I, he had this big machete. It must be, you know, two to three feet long, this huge knife. And I had him, I, I pointed, I couldn't speak to him, I don't speak the language even, I pointed to him and I, I sort of gestured for him to hold it out so I can see it and take a photograph. And he did that. I mean, he could have cut me as well as just <laughs> put it out. And on the opposite page of him is a man uh, taking a huge refrigerator, a box that with a refrigerator in it, off a truck on his back and his arms are out like he's flying like um, Superman and the and the box is on his shoulder on still sitting on the edge the, the, the bottom edge is still sitting on the truck and he and he's allowing me to get underneath him to photograph Wow and, and the next minute or two he's gonna take that huge as big as he is, bigger, I mean, this huge box weighing 200, 300 pounds on his back, and he's going to walk it on his back into the furniture, furniture store, which is on his right. So these two pictures are amazing. So don't miss that. And then the mummies and, I don't know, just the, the joy and the beauty. The book of the book, the book is printed beautifully. It's a duotone process uh, photographed in Germany on a high-speed Heidelberg press, which I hear are the best presses in the world. I was there for it, and uh, I think it's just a beautiful book, and, and I'm biased, by the way. so I can see why. <laughs> well, I'm going to share okay. two of my favorites. Okay. On page 52. Okay. It's the, uh, the abuela, the old the grandma with her hand on the little girl's shoulder. Yes. Oh, my God. It's a great... Yeah, I love this photograph. Yeah, me too. And again, you talk about the the contrast. You've got old and young. and Right. She's wearing dark, and the whole girl's in lighter clothes and more modern clothes. And the grandmother's all wrapped up in her uh, mm -hmm. old clothes. And, you know, for me, this little girl, she might be, what, 11 or 12, looks so unhappy walking... <laughs> She's she's ahead of her grandmother. Her grandmother's right left arm is on her right shoulder, and she's leading her. She's walking her, and it seems to me that the girl, the young girl, does not want to be there at all. Obviously, yes. 
Yeah. And she she shows it friends. in her, Exactly. So it's a very poignant photograph, I think. Yes. Yeah, there's that one. And then another one is on one, 110. Yeah, 110 and 111. Okay. And you've got yeah. the police on one side and the, uh, what do you call them, effigies? Effigies. On the yeah. other. Uh-huh. I just, I love, again, a contrast. You've got people versus not people. <laughs> yes. Left and right. And the middle is totally empty. Yes. Uh, with a stone street and the, 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 this is the city hall, I believe, and the police state, main police station. Uh, and these effigies, this is for Easter. This happens the day of Easter. They string the effigies up on wires, and they're, you can see there's a circle around each eff effigy. They put firecrackers or explosives on that, and they blow up the effigies uh, in celebration of Easter. And each effigy is sponsored by a business, and Miguel, a business or a politician. So it's, it's kind of fun. But serious. Um, and when I made the print, you, there's a woman on the left edge. You can see that, Bob, right? The woman. Oh, yeah. So when I first made the print in the dark room, I had the four effigies and the four men, four effigies on the left and four men on the right. Three are policemen and one looks like a civilian. And I thought, wow, they're just balanced that way. Then when we did the scans and, and we looked at it on a computer, we saw, I saw the woman. I didn't see the woman, the woman in my print before. Maybe I cropped her out because she is on the edge or it was just too dark. And I love that woman. She unbalances this balance picture and for me was a great surprise. So uh, even in like making the, a new image, 15 years later, after I made the print, I made a, dis a great discovery for me. Now, that is, that's a pleasant surprise. Exactly. We like, pre we like pleasant surprises. That was, that was made, that picture, in San Miguel in 1999. Yeah, wow. And I just discovered last year the woman in this photograph. So what a nice surprise. I mean, there isn't many pictures I don't like in here. Uh, there's no fillers. I love the one on page nine, who are in bathing suits on the side of a bus. Uh, and then the window is open, and they are fractured, at least one of them. Uh, so you have to see that one. There's so many. Well, I guess if, if you didn't like a photo, it's not going to be in this book. Right, exactly. There's no, there's no, I would say there's no fillers. And I, and I had a hard time even getting it down to, to 157 photographs. That's a lot of photographs, and the publisher, they wanted me to get it down more, and I, I struggled with it, and I did. I had easily 175, 80, and uh, we came to a 157, and and they were happy with it. So that's good. They're the ones putting it on paper, right? Yeah. <laughs> I did see. Uh, in your acknowledgments, you had Margarita help you. Uh, she's the only person that really helped me. I usually use one person, a project, to, to uh, really bounce the work off of. If there's too many, then it gets confusing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she is very astute and 
an amazing photographer, as you know. Yeah. And she's doing great things. I could praise her all day. She's an incredible yeah. She's one of my favorites. And, and, I, and, and I appreciate you introducing me to her. Sure, and I'll tell her you said that, too. She is. And she created one of my favorite photos, which she sent to me. Wow. What's that? It's a photograph she took in Central Park of a clown. Uh, yes. Okay. And, and, and the boy. And the boy. I think it's City Hall Park. It's where downtown i might be wrong about that but i'm pretty sure you've been you've been here right oh yeah oh yeah yeah of course and now that uh, now that i live on amtrak i'm going to be there more frequently well you know when you're here you have to let me know okay we'll get together if we can if i'm around oh i'd Definitely. love that me too really but I know you've got to run, so before you go, why don't you tell us where people well can find you and can uh, buy this book? Okay. Uh, I'm in New York City. I have a website. It's www.harveysteinphoto.com. Uh, my contact information is in there, in the website. Uh, you could buy the book directly from me. Uh it's forty. I would. I'd be glad to sign it and inscribe it to you. The price is forty-five dollars. I guess it would be plus shipping. I th- no tax. Uh, I think it would be worth the extra postage to get my signature. Maybe I don't know. It's up to you. Uh, it's on. It, it'll be at Amazon. Uh, and I guess it'll. You know, you can order it through your local bookstore. Um, and I hope uh, some of you. To see it and enjoy it, and uh, I think it's important to have books in our collections. I, I buy books all the time, and uh, they become part of the family. Is what I say. I agree. I think I think there's no better in photography investment than, than buying a good photo book. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I want. I, I started Instagramming about a year ago. I'm, I'm Stein Harvey. At Stein.Harvey, I enjoy Instagramming, and if you uh, take a look, uh, you can follow me there, too. And I'll probably follow you if you follow me. All right. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Okay, great. Uh, and I guess, uh, I, I maybe I would uh, email this to you, Bob. Career, you could get the book from Career. I think it's careerverlag.com. You can get it directly from them. That's the German publisher. Uh, but they're in Germany, so I'm not sure how that would work. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you, and always great to talk to you, and I hope to uh, see you one of these moons. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. It is the number one source for inspiration, education, and publication for street photographers everywhere. It's made by street photographers for street photographers. Street Photography Magazine is published once a month, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. Each issue includes an interview with our featured photographer to discuss how they work and take a deep dive into some of their photos. It also includes photo projects and photo stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And it's a place for you to publish your work to be recognized. For example, the Street Shooters of the Month section of the magazine. It features photos from members of our community, and many of our featured photographers have been selected from that group. So stop trying to go it alone and join the community. 
All of this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. Stop over and subscribe now at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe.